Hey guys, I'm back on the couch today. I've got Paulie V joining me for the LibFit podcast. I'll let you introduce yourself. So on guys, I'm Paulie V. I'm a coach here in Perth. Um, also an IFB pro. Been in the industry for 10 years now. And yeah. Cool, man. So um, what made you start out? Like, what's a... Where did you start out when you first started training? What got you into the, was it like Dragon Ball Z or anything? What was that? <laughs> probably, probably secretly Dragon Ball Z. Had yeah, yeah. Place. I think it's um, the first bodybuilders always yeah, up. Yeah, but, um, yeah. I actually started off in martial arts. So pretty much from the age of like 10, did like Taekwondo, moved into Kung Fu, then primarily did Muay Thai growing yeah. up. Um, I actually thought when I was a teenager that I'd grow up to be a professional fighter, believe well, it or not. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I actually, my... My interest in fitness grew from martial arts. Um, I became a PT practically straight after school. Um, more so along those lines, like along the martial arts lines, had nothing to do with bodybuilding or anything like that. Um, I actually only started weight training when I started my set three and four. Wow. Um, yeah. yeah, so I was 19 when I started studying that, and that's when I started lifting. Um, never ever thought would I be a professional bodybuilder. If you ask me back then, it's uh, yeah. pretty funny, yeah. Yeah, cool, man. Did you have any early like mentors when you were um, back in martial art days? Was there anyone that you looked up to? Um, that you wanted to aspire to be like? Was it UFC was a pretty Yeah, big I was really big into UFC. Um, yeah, I, I trained at Riddler's Gym, which is a pretty well-known gym yeah, now. Yeah. Um, Just near Skybridge Road there. Yeah, yeah. So when I was about 18, I, I was um, preparing for my first fight. Um, at that time, I was probably walking around probably like mid 60 kilos. Yeah. Um, and because I'm a pretty short Heavyweight. dude. Heavyweight. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm a pretty short dude, that, um, Darren wanted me to cut some weight to fight. Um, so he wants me to get down to 55 oh, kilos. Right. Yeah. That's what I hate about, because um, like similar, I used to box, right? Yeah. Um, and that's what I used to hate about fighting sports is they want you to cut weight. It's like, how do you just fight it that way? Yeah, exactly. Your best. Yeah. I know. Like, it, I, it makes sense though. Obviously, you, you want that reach advantage of yeah. obviously if you're fighting a heavier, Six taller guy, yeah, you're going to be at a big disadvantage. And, um, you know, I was preparing for that fight and I, I got down to 56 kilos. Um, wow. And I just, I hated it. I, I didn't feel good, didn't like the way I looked. Um, I'm pretty sure my girlfriend at the time weighed more than I did. Like it was just, it was just embarrassing. So um, I never followed through with it, uh, which I kind of regret now. Like I wish I did it at least once. Um, so I yeah, I gave it up and I started weight training. You know, like I at that point, like I said, I didn't like the way I looked. Had a poor self esteem, and, and I wanted to build that up. So yeah, I started lifting some weights. Cool, man. So you you were at you say fifty six kilos. Yeah. Yeah. What do you weigh now? Like um, off season, I get to about ninety ninety five. Wow. Yeah. Yes. And you're competing on stage at. I uh, compete roughly around eighty. Okay. Yeah. So is that is that what they classify as the under eighty categories? Um, so I compete in classic physique. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah. classic physique, it, it depends on your height. So okay. depend there's different rules. So depending on your height, you're allowed a certain weight cap. So for my height, I'm five seven. Um, I'm allowed to be 82 on stage. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you also competed in the, um, is it called, correct me if I'm wrong, but the open bodybuilding category? Is that what they call it? Just bodybuilding category? Yeah. So I competed in the open bodybuilding category. So when I first got into bodybuilding, um, there wasn't classic physique. Uh, the first year I competed was actually the first year there was actually men's physique. Okay. So yeah. I've been around for a while. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So yeah. what year was that? About five, six years ago? Or? So that was 2013. Okay, so seven years ago, wow. Yeah, yeah, so I've been around for a while. Um, yeah, so I slugged it out in bodybuilding. Um, love bodybuilding, but um, 
I, I really just don't have the genetics to be a mass monster. And, um, you know, once Classic came out, I knew that was the division for me because that was always the, the look I aspired to, you know, like I liked the, the aesthetic guys, the aesthetic pros rather than the thick mass monsters. And that's what gets awarded in open bodybuilding these yes, days. Yeah. Um, so yeah, once Classic came along, I, I knew that was the, the, the vision for me. Yeah. Very cool, man. So yeah, about seven years ago. Um, how many comps like between now and then have you, have you done? Um, I think I'm on 15 now. Wow. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. quite the guru and, um, in your own body. Yeah. In that sense. Yeah. Definitely, man. I've been around for a while and obviously my reputation's built over, over yes. those years. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Awesome, man. Um, yeah. So when, when did you win your pro card? Uh, so I won my pro card in 2018. Um, yep. so it was actually the first time, um, classic physique was introduced to, um, the Australian pro league. Um, so I was the first classic physique pro in Australia. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's a cool title. Yeah, yeah definitely. Cool, I, man. I, as soon as I introduced that, I, I knew I had to go for it because I wanted, I wanted to claim that title. Yeah. yeah. Ah, that's wicked, man. Um, who's some mentors you had along the way? You mentioned, you mentioned like Ben Pikowski, is that yeah, how you yeah. say? Yep. Yeah, so I've had different coaches along the way. Um, ben Pikowski was one of them. Um, I also had Andy Bell as a coach. Um, don't know if you know him, but he was pretty well known in the Australian bodybuilding industry. He lives in Dubai now. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then I worked with uh, Chris Aceto for a year. Uh, so the real technician, he's worked with guys like Jay Cutler, Sean Ryan, wow. stuff yeah. like that. Um, and then um, last couple of years, I've, I've worked with Jordan Shallows and Project Chavez as well. But uh, for the most part, I've, I've coached myself for the last few years. Okay, yeah, cool. So like in your early days, you always, uh, did you always have a coach? To I did, yeah. So obviously, just trying to learn from different people. Um, and then 2018 came around and... Um, I, I had just bought a house, so finance was uh, pretty tight. So I was kind of forced into coaching myself in 2018, and that worked out really well for me. So I've kind of just stuck to that for the time being. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, awesome, man. Like, that's, pretty, that's a pretty awesome, like for, I suppose for any personal trainer and any bodybuilder to, you know, um, build yourself a reputation by your own house, that's, uh, that's a step in its own in itself. Yeah, really yeah. grateful I'm able to... Um, do what I love and make a good living from it. So exactly, man. Yeah. And like you know, you're helping people get their results and helping people live better lives and exactly. look better and feel better about themselves. Yeah. Which I suppose is why you started um, in the industry. Exactly, it's very yeah. rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. Um, what's um, other things along in the industry that you picked up? Like, uh, is there things that you dropped off along the way in your journey that you found that didn't work for you? Um, it's a tough one to answer. Um, yeah, I guess I'm just always evolving right like yeah been in the industry for 10 years now and obviously like 10 years ago there was virtually no information you know it's uh, a lot of um, Instagram yeah, yeah a lot of anecdotal um, evidence and just um you know trying to pick up information from other people there wasn't as much information as there was now right so, bodybuilding.com was a thing back pretty then, much yeah. man yeah that was pretty much yeah, the go-to push right? pull programs and, yeah yeah, yeah typical bro spits and, yeah, i think t-nation was was that t-nation around back t-nation was around back yep. then yeah yep. it was um you know a lot of my early years is just asking the big guy in the gym or you know the your coach at the time or if it was the, there was, the brains. yeah there wasn't yeah. as much um access to information as there is now it's a different world yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what was probably like the biggest change for you in uh, one year of PT career? Do you think like winning shows is that like um, was a big thing for you? Yeah, absolutely. Every time I've done a show, 
I've always done reasonably well, so that's always boosted um, my business. Um, yeah. Particularly winning, winning my pro card, that's boosted my business quite a lot. And um, you know, it's, uh, I'm grateful for that because I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty horrible at selling myself. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so the, the, my competing does that for me, which is great. Yeah, that's awesome. Man. Would you like? Would you call yourself like more of an introvert or extrovert? Or I would definitely. I hate, I hate labels, but I would definitely relate more to introvert for sure yeah okay yeah. yeah so i suppose like in a way like um competing on stage is a way for you to express yourself and your hard work and put it all out there yeah it's, it's funny i like a lot of people i talk to like they see me on stage and they um they find it bizarre like my persona on stage compared to what i'm like in person um you know i'm very i guess i'm a bit a little bit more you know flamboyant on stage um, i can come across a little bit cocky but um it's a show. Yeah. It's a show, right? Yeah. Exactly. And I just feel comfortable on stage. I've, you know, I feel comfortable expressing myself on stage. Where, um, yeah, I'm just, a, I guess, a different person compared to that. I guess. Yeah, probably more humble. Like I suppose, like yeah, humble about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you've got to be a little bit cocky if you're stepping on stage, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. You gotta own it. Yeah. Not, exactly. You're not you gotta, there to play tiddly winks. Yeah. You gotta, <laughs> here, you gotta make people. You gotta draw that attention to yourself. You gotta make people look at you. It's it's. Yeah, it's different. You gotta put that persona on, right? Yeah, cool, man. Um, how about your upbringing? Like, uh, were, you, were you born in Australia? Yeah, born and yeah. raised in Australia. Uh, my parents are both Vietnamese. Yeah. Immigrated during the war. Uh, wow. Yeah. 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 You still got family back in Vietnam? Um, pretty much all my family, man. The only family I have here is my mum. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 And um, like, how does that shape? Like, I suppose. Um, is your dad still around? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, my dad's still around. Yeah. He's. Uh, I don't really talk to him, unfortunately. He's kind of uh, remarried and has his own family and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. was that early on in childhood? Um, officially, you probably left when I was like my late teens. But um, honestly, as far as memory serves me, like mom and dad were never really together. Uh, okay. Yeah. Up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, they kind of just stayed together for the sake of the family. So yeah. I was never really close to my dad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I was just asking about see if you had any like role models or what made you push towards training so hard because like you, you said you done martial arts and then going to bodybuilding. I suppose everything you did, you always gave it your. Yeah, I guess like. Where, that? Where did that come from? Um, I couldn't really pinpoint it to be honest, but I guess I guess because I wasn't very close to my dad and I didn't have that sort of role model directly in front of me. Um, I guess I had to assume that role, you know, like be yourself. Yeah, be your own superhero. Exactly. Be, you know, be your own Goku. Step up, yeah. be more responsible, like, you know, I I partied here and there, but when at a teenage age I was, you know, working jobs, trying to make money, you know, trying to get my head screwed on. Um, yeah, just trying to assume that role of the man of the house, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Oh, cool, man. Me siblings? Um, so I got one sister who lives in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, and I do have a brother, but we don't get along. We don't talk. <laughs> yeah, different different paths, different routes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. cool, man, cool. Um, what other? You play any other sports other than martial arts when you're younger? Uh, man, honestly, I dabbled in heaps of sports. Yeah. Um, and I was just never really any good at them, to be yeah. honest. <laughs> yeah. You know, I played a little bit of soccer. I played a little bit of basketball. Did some rugby. Um, yeah, I never really liked it. I think I'm definitely more of an individual sport kind of guy. Yeah. Um, not really. Only really rely on yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, like if you know you, you won, it's it's your efforts that help yeah. you win, not someone else's. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I do, like I get, I do enjoy sports, but I was, just, yeah, I was never really good at them when I was young, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Like, um, especially, that's what I love about bodybuilding is it? it's such a, 
I suppose like in a way it's a very lonely journey because it is only you yeah like going down that path and you and if you if you mess up you only got you to blame um yeah. you know you can't blame anyone else externally because it's you only got you to focus on and you're yeah. in your own headspace like what's that journey like for you over the past seven years bodybuilding like oh it's tough man you know it's as everyone knows like bodybuilding is a very selfish and time consuming sport you know like trying to obviously get all your food in get your recovery get your training in your cardio whatever um, but also, you know, as a guy who's in his twenties, trying to live a life as well. It's relationships um, and exactly yeah, relationships business. with uh, partners, business, friendships, all of that. You know, like I still enjoy partying. I still enjoy going out and have, yeah. you know going on holidays, etc. So trying to make that all work while you're you know trying to become a professional bodybuilder, it's probably the hardest task. Like after all this time, like the training nutrition that stuff comes second nature to me but um like i said trying to balance and fit everything in is the, the hardest part yeah if you don't mind me asking man like what's um like over the time do you find like like your i suppose your relationships and your business do they almost take like a, a back burner when you're getting really close to pushing and prep um I think I'm actually a lot better at it now after all these times of doing it. Yep. Obviously, like the first couple of shows I did, I was, you know, very narrow-minded. Like this shows everything, and I just need to get this done, and nothing else mattered. But yeah. you know, you you soon realize that's not the right approach to do it, especially if you're planning to do this long term. Um, so I think I'm very good at it, balancing, um, you know, Learning. prep and yeah. life. Um, but it does get hard, definitely. Yeah, very cool, man. I actually, uh, I had Shana, um, who used to be um, one of your clients, Shana Garcia. Yeah, she was. Yeah, yeah, so I yeah she's done really well. Yeah, yeah. awesome, awesome physique. And I think she'll go far. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, um, and she was saying like, uh, you know, in her prep, that should get, as she gets further into her prep, she'll just get harder on her clients. Yeah. Like, why are you doing this? Or like, you yeah, know, push, yeah. it, push them to do more. I was like, you didn't yeah. want to go for a walk. What do you mean you don't want to go for a walk? <laughs> spend 70 minutes on the freaking treadmill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you find you you get like that yourself? Yeah, you I actually do. It's funny. People ask me if, they, if I find a hard coaching clients while I'm in prep. But um, because I'm in that mindset, I guess I'm actually stricter on my clients. Yeah. Whereas if I'm kind of off season, I, I, I can be like a little bit more relaxed when by the clients in, in prep. So I actually find it better when I'm in, in prep. I'm just in that, that mindset. Just right? a little bit breather. It's like, yeah, it's yeah, everything. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool, man. And how have you been working at Doherty's since they opened? That's... No, I've been at Doherty's for, I think about a year and a half now. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so. Um, I've been open for about two, yeah, three two, years. Yeah, two and a half years, okay, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I was at a good life before that for uh, four years. Um, so good life was good. I just, kind of outgrew it it was too much of a obviously it's a health club you know, yeah right? exactly yeah and you're very niche in what you do and that's exactly what is, and is I just want to be around people that had a similar mindset right yeah you know just boost up uh, my training and boost up my business as a whole you know cool man yeah, yeah. Um, that's actually probably a pretty cool point to bring up is how important is it to surround yourself with those people when you've got those big goals like is there like a um, do you find like there's a, I guess, a point where being around those people just help you succeed more? Yeah, absolutely. I'm a big believer that you're the average of the people you surround yourself with, right? And, you know, when you're training at a gym like Doherty's, like, a lot of competitors around you are training hard. It makes you want to train hard. And they obviously support you and understand what you're doing. So and that's a huge help. Whereas, you know, when you're kind of training at a health club, like, no one, 
no one understands what you're doing. No. Like, you're you're the weird one, right? Like, yeah, yeah. You, know, yeah. you train hard and you're the weird one. It's, yeah. yeah <laughs> right? sweating Everyone's just sitting on their phones talking shit. They're on the leg kill machine. Like, three people on a machine. Like, what are you guys doing, you know? Yeah, yeah. You're like, can you work in? They're like, no, go away. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still using it. I've been on it for like half an hour. It's <laughs> just like, like thumb day. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Yeah, no, crazy. Yeah, so it's really important, like, um, you know, the people that you surround yourself in for your journey. Um, one of the questions that got asked is about, um, I suppose I saw it off your post you've done, but uh, sleep apnea, you said, you, have you suffered from that previously? Yeah, so I had a severe sleep apnea. Um, I, I was diagnosed with it probably two or three years ago. Um, probably would have been suffering from it for most of my life. Um, as, far as, as, as far as I can remember, I've always been a pretty bad snorer. Um, used to always get shit about it, you know, from my friends and ex-partners and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and I never really thought anything of it, you know, I kind of just thought, you know, some people snore and some people don't, right? Um, but as the years went by, I just constantly was run down and fatigued and it was really frustrating because obviously, you know, I take care of my lifestyle, I, I get enough rest, I eat well, but I was just exhausted all the time so um, I end up getting a sleep study done so a sleep study is when you go to hospital and they essentially just monitor you sleeping um, and then I got the results back and I was I was considered severe so wow. okay. um, I was on 30 apneas um, per hour which means you stop breathing 30 times wow. an hour yeah so that's a that's a lot of oxygen not getting yeah, to your body to recover. exactly so practically yeah. half of half of what I was needing yeah um, and I think I was they said I was waking up 60 times a night. So You didn't even know it. I didn't I, I was obviously very exhausted, but yep. I didn't know it like um like in my in my it was actually really funny. So after the sleep study I came in to get my results and he kind of plugged me with these questions. He's like, Oh, so how many times do you feel like you wake up a night? And I was like, Oh, maybe like two times a night. And he's like, Oh, do you ever like wake up from your snoring? And I was like, Oh, like rarely, occasionally and then he threw me those results and I was just mind blown and obviously it just makes sense man like I used to sleep like eight nine hours and feel like I've slept two like, wow okay I, I, I people used to take the piss out of me because I like, I could fall asleep instantly anywhere anytime <laughs> like, I could be sitting on a chair at work and yeah I'll just fall asleep dead dead asleep you know <laughs> um, and I yeah I'll fall asleep in seconds yeah um, yeah so after I got the results, I obviously want to do something about it. So I underwent um, CPAP therapy. So CPAP's a very unsexy mask that you wear while you sleep. Uh, you got a date coming over, you're like, yeah. hang on. Darth Vader, what's going on? Yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so I tried that for a while. It, it, and it works, but it's, it's obviously very uncomfortable. Um, so in the end, it, it really didn't work because I just, I was just so frustrated with it. I couldn't sleep with it. Yeah. Can't roll over, you can't, yeah. Exactly, you know. And then same thing like you said, you know, if you got a, a partner sleeping with you, like the last thing you want to do is fucking chuck around an oxygen mask <laughs> while, you, while you're trying to sleep. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not very sexy at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, so um, last year I ended up um, seeing an ENT and he recommended me surgery. Wow, okay, yeah. Um, so I underwent surgery uh, for that. So um, they... When you go see ENT, he basically puts these like camera down your, your nose and your mouth. Oh, it's, yeah. it's gross. It's not yeah. a good feeling. It but, goes um, all the way up through the sinus. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, and you, you can see it on camera. Oh. It's, it's, it's disgusting. Yeah. It's freaking disgusting. Um, so what do they have to do with the surgery? So after he had to look at me, he, 
he realized a few things. One, I had a very large tongue. Um, I had my tonsils were large, the uvula was large, my epiglottis was actually sitting back more than usual. Um, so during the surgery, he shrunk my tongue. Um, Is that a genetic thing? Uh, it can be, because my, yeah. da- my dad suffered from apnea as well. Okay, yeah. Um, it can also obviously just be a size thing. Um, also with um, performance enhancing drugs that can affect tissue okay. growth as yeah, well. Yeah. Um, so all of that plays a, a role. Um, I definitely suffered from apnea more when I was heavier compared to obviously when I was lighter. So like peak of my off season was the worst. And then obviously when I was in prep and it was a bit lighter, it got a bit better. Um, but yeah, so my tongue got shrunken. Um, they cut out my tonsils, cut out my uvula, Jesus, yeah. cut out my adenoids. Oh, they cut and stitched my epiglottis forward. And this was a year ago? This was a year ago. Wow, okay. Yeah, so that was extremely painful. I couldn't eat or drink for about one to two weeks. And I ended up losing 20 kilos in 10 days from that. It was, Jeez, um, yeah. It was horrible. I, I, I thought it was going to be not as bad as that. Yeah. Because uh, I actually had a prep planned. Um, it was... It was four months after that surgery. I thought it would be a quick recovery, and obviously it I mean, wasn't. You can't eat. Yeah. Yeah, I dropped. Uh, I ended up dropping twenty kilos from that surgery. Wow. Um, I bounced back pretty good. I think I put on about ten kilos within the first after I could start eating again in the first six weeks yeah, after that. Yeah, just super low glycogen back in the yeah. body. Yeah, and then yeah. Um, silly me, I ended up competing anyway. So I did a. A nine-week prep when I ended wow. up competing uh, last year in America. That was your first pro show. No, so it was. I did a pro show the week after I turned pro. Okay, yeah. So I yep. did New Zealand. I got uh, yep. fifth in that show. Awesome, man. Um, and then so this was actually my first lot of pro shows after a proper off season. Yeah. Um, so I did uh, two shows in America and one show in Canada last year. Yeah, and how do you feel like you performed in those after considering it was nine-week prep? Um, I mean, considering the prep, I, I thought I came in really good. Um, definitely not at my best, you know. And obviously that's my own <coughs> fault for committing to a prep of only nine weeks to prepare. Um, but after after coming away from the shows, I definitely feel like, you know, with some improvements, I can hang with the best of them. So yeah, um, I'm keen to, you know, keen to prove myself next year. Yeah, awesome, man. Yeah. So it's crazy what's going on. Like, uh, we just found out yesterday the state show has been cancelled for IFBB in Australia. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, obviously the world's in a very strange place right now, yeah, right? Mate. Yeah, it's crazy, yeah, isn't it? No one knows what's going on. I've, I've got clients prepping for that show, and, yeah. you know, everyone keeps asking me what's going on. I'm like, I don't think anyone knows what's going on. Like, no, the promoters don't even know what's going on, because obviously the world's just in chaos right now. I was now, totally right? ready to go and get to the Queensland yeah. show. <laughs> how, how, how do you plan a show when, like, all these restrictions are going back and yeah and all it's this, tough isn't it yeah it's tough. and I know yeah. I know these guys are just trying to keep hope alive for the competitors but man like it's hard promising a show when you you don't know what the world affairs are happening yeah exactly on, like yeah. you don't even know how long it, you know, it could be it could be a year before things even get remotely open, open up again exactly what yeah. like Victoria's just going back and lockdown and New South Wales is starting crazy, to get yeah. back that way now yeah Oh, it's crazy. Um, do you have a backup plan for your clients for that? Or like, what, what's your message? Well, actually, even better, like, what's your message to people listening to this who are looking to prep for C or prepping for season B and are, you know, a bit up in the air right now? Honestly, I've, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't have an advice. My advice for my clients um, early on in the year was just to skip this season. Like, I just didn't think it was worth trying to prep for a show. 
when there was so much uncertainty. Yeah, um, especially but, when gyms were closed over the time. It was like, how do you... Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but I've only got... Um, a lot of my clients actually listen to the advice and so they push to next year. Yep. So I think season A next year is going to be crazy. Yeah. But um, I've only got uh, three clients at the moment still prepping. Um, two of them have decided to not do the show now. Um, they're going to do a couple of local shows here in Perth. Okay. Uh, yep. So other federations. Yeah. Is that the uh, Omara? They just yeah. So going to do Omara, yep. um, the Omara one, which is uh, October seventeenth, I think. Yeah. So they're going to do that, and then uh, I still have one guy who's going to go over to nationals and try to go for his pro card. So. Yeah. Is that uh, Nicole Tan's partner? Yeah, Jeremy. Yep. Yeah. Awesome man. Yeah. He's looking good. He's looking great, man. Yeah. I've I've always been a fan of his physique. Uh, I, no offense to uh, any of his past coaches, but I just don't think. He's quite ever nailed a uh, good package. Yeah. Um, but um, I'm confident we can bring in something special. And uh, um, a pro card's definitely on the way for him. For awesome, sure. man. That's yeah. wicked. Yeah, exciting. Like, it's really exciting as a coach to see that. When you see that potential in your clients, um, and like, you know, they might not be able to see it themselves in a way, but you can map out in your mind where they're going to be. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very cool. Very yeah. cool. Um, yeah, so how did you, you go during the whole lockdown period? With uh, coronavirus, honestly, it was um, it was a pretty tough time. Um, obviously, PT wasn't an option. I still had my online coaching, but uh, yeah, that meant I was stuck at home quite a lot. Yeah, um, did you have home gym or anything like that set up? Or? Um, yeah, a bit of a setup at home. Yeah, um, but just the the monotony of being at home was is quite tough, right? Yeah. And, um, it gave me a lot of time to self respect, uh, self uh, reflect on my life, and um, you know, sometimes that can be a little bit daunting when you do that. Um, but there's definitely some areas and some goals I've realized I need to uh, put more effort in after coming out of COVID, I think. Cool, man. Do you want to ask what they are? If you yeah, don't want pretty, to share them? Pretty much, man. I kind of touched on it already. Pretty much yeah. like all the areas outside of bodybuilding, essentially. You yeah. know, like I've spent all of my 20s. Seven years of your life just yeah, dedicated to dedicated the cause. Dedicated to yeah. bodybuilding. <laughs> and, um, you know, like there's goals of, most goals are measurable, but my goals aren't like just more just self-happiness I guess spiritually in a way yeah you know like connect with more people and obviously when you're stuck in a house and I I live on my own as well so when you're stuck in a house and you know social media it's not a real connection right like so I want to get out there I want to connect with more people and stuff like that you know like work on other areas of my life and not just be defined as a bodybuilder you know just like be an actual person which sometimes is really frustrating because people put you in that pigeonhole and uh, I just want to get out outside of that a little more you know yeah cool well thank you for coming on man because this is, this is one great way to share your story and get people to know you on a you know on a real inside type of level yeah my yeah. pleasure man it's uh, and it's funny because a lot of people tell me I, sh- I should do things like this because um, I guess like I probably don't display as as much of my personality on social media than that oh, I how can should, you? right? Yeah. You know, like it's a highlight reel, really. Yeah, like, and like like I said before, I'm, if I, I'm more of an introvert than anything. Like, social media is hard for me. Like, I I'm honestly that old school type of bodybuilder. I could rather just like you just know stay quiet, you. get the work done, you know, jump on stage instead of like you know showing everyone what I'm doing. And, just be humble, man. Yeah, it really exactly. is like. But, um, you know, early mentor of mine in uh, business actually was that was probably his biggest advice to me is be humble. 
Yeah. He's like, be humble about what you're doing, be humble about your success. It's like, you know, you just keep working. It's hard though, right? Because you, like, you, you want to be humble and I am, I think I'm a very humble person. Um, but at the same time, you know, you got, you sucked into the world of social media, which like you said, is a highlight reel. And yeah. sometimes when you're just throwing out all these highlights, it can um, come across like you're arrogant and come across like, you know, you're a bit of a fool yourself. And, you know, especially as a bodybuilder, you're always like showing your body and stuff like that. And yeah, it's... people just think you're a douchebag half the time, right? <laughs> the only like the only people I suppose who would think that are people that who haven't walked down that path. Yeah, like the people that respect that and the people that know what that took are the people that have attempted that and probably not even come close to the result that you've got. Yeah, and they they can they know the the grind and the the amount of sweat, blood, and tears that went into that every single prep and yeah. every single brick that you know every single gram of muscle you put onto your body was uh, you know that grueling yeah. so you got that you always have that those two audiences on social media of um you know the people i suppose the naysayers as arnold Schwarzenegger would say yeah and yeah. you got the people that understand that grind yeah absolutely yeah yeah crazy um Another thing to go, man, training methods. So bring it back to, if you don't mind, go back into training. Yeah. So what's some, uh, this is a question that got dropped on the gram. Cool. Um, what's some training methods that you, like, do you follow particular training methods? What's your, what's your go-to? Um, my training has changed dramatically over the years. Um, growing up, it was, it was very, like... Bro splits. Bro splits. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I was, Legs every second week. <laughs> I was very influenced by... Um, Ben Colsey at the start, start of my career, I guess. Uh, so I was doing like a lot of double days back, back wow. then, yeah. And then um, I worked at Shredded, so I was kind of influenced by Charles Poliquin, and he was a fan of the double days as well. Yeah. Um, you know, like the strength in the morning and the high volume at night time. And, yeah. And people, at that time, it was... How'd, guess, how'd you like doing split squats and track three raises? Blurred as hell. But you know what? Like, some, like that's kind of taken a full round circle. So I did that, and I was... I guess very broy to begin with, and then yeah. um, you know now I guess a little bit more progressive overload if you want to call it that, and um, you know structural balance is, is definitely a huge thing. Like and symmetry for bodybuilding, exactly. like, structural balance is symmetry. Exactly, symmetry and of strength and size and yeah, muscles. Yeah, yeah, especially if you obviously like you you want to bring up lagging body parts. Like yeah. a lot of that is function, right? A lot of mobility, stability, make sure it's it's hard to recruit certain muscles if you just made up wrong right? if you, yeah if you can't move your body into that position to contract that muscle then exactly you're fighting against yourself yeah so yeah. A, lot, a lot of my training at the moment is uh, if I had to pick people that you guys would know would be um, guys like Jordan Shallows uh, Mark Uzotel along those lines yeah yeah very cool, man. Very cool. Um, and you mentioned about like how you, you've done a bit of round trip in your training and yourself. Like, um, what's some things you you picked up along the way and things you dropped off in your in your own training? Um, this answer would change depending on when you ask me in my career, I guess. But yeah. Like volume, volume as well. Like volume, like even right now, like volume gets a. A, a big rap for being like the only thing that matters okay know? yeah and I like it to a certain extent it does but um, you know I think intensity and also recruitment has a big thing as well um, yeah essentially like I I remember when you used to like following like the whole like Arnold style workout where he's doing like 
30 plus sets per workout. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and then I look back and I'm like, my training was rubbish. You know, I was yeah. lifting F4, it was just throwing shit around, just trying to get volume. Just trying in, to move the know? weight, yeah. Exactly. And I'll probably get like half of that volume now and get um, a better result. Get better results, right? You cool, know, right? get better yeah. intensity and get better recruitment and just go from that. Um, it's a very individual basis as well. Yes, okay. Um, yeah. As you would probably know, like, you know, like I said, volume gets a lot of. Um, precedence right now but volume is is great but if you can't actually recruit muscles properly and you can't bring intensity in it, it means nothing right yeah and that that's something i learned like i haven't competed in bodybuilding yet um but i did train my ex-partner olivia yeah uh, um who competed in bikini last year yeah and um so my method with that was really simple is just get a really strong and build some really good muscle density that can be contra- contracted under maximal amount of weight yeah. and then just hone in you know the angles and hone in the muscle and any lagging body parts that look small is just yeah. bring in the volume onto that and um yeah that, that seemed to work well so i suppose my que- the question comes out of that is like what's your um what's your what's your theory what's your take on uh load and heavier loads on the body to build or contract muscle i think it's important man obviously like um, you're hitting different muscle fibers when you're lifting heavy and that obviously should translate into later phases of being able to lift heavier with more volume, right? Yeah. Um, as long as you can get a contraction. Like, yeah. That's a big thing, isn't it? I think the problem with this day and age is people just like to fall in camps, you know? Oh, people, man, it's ridiculous. Uh, we're like yeah. the volume camp, we're the, the heavy camp, <laughs> we're the powerlifting power, camp, power building, yeah. whatever the hell the that is. Camp, yeah. You know, like, it's... Almost with everything, it sounds so simplistic. There's just a line between it all, right? Like you kind of do got to do almost a little bit of everything. Yeah, hundred you know? percent. Yeah. Instead of just falling into a camp, like that's why it's it's hard to answer when people ask you like, "What's the training style like?" It's like it depends. Depends what yeah. like, like what, what you need to work on. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, and very cool. Depending on the time of year or what the goal is, it's always going to change, right? Yeah, and uh, I suppose like a good person to quote on this would be Bruce Lee is be fluid like water yeah it's like with anything it's like don't don't yeah. just try to be exactly one thing take what's useful and disregard what's not right yeah yeah um yeah interesting story with Liv is over a year she competed in powerlifting strongwoman and bodybuilding yeah and that helped her bring a pretty good package for a first time competitor on stage um uh and again like so many people because I, I come from uh, quite a strength or I've always market myself more so actually sorry take that back but I used to market myself as like a transformation type coach but yeah. I, I hate the fact that people wanted a transformation also want to be counseled or like <laughs> therapized yeah. uh, so I took a I took a very direct approach towards strength training purely because it makes you very honest and very humble in yeah. that sense of uh, you know, you, know you're, you're, you can either shift your weight or you can't and yeah. if you can't you gotta reevaluate why you can't so exactly. it just made it very simple for me uh, on a marketing strategy but um, yeah, exactly that is um, marking yourself as a strength coach and then going into training a competitor or training someone for bodybuilding. People are like, oh, but aren't you a powerlifter or yeah, aren't you a strongman? It's like, well, I've kind of trained everything at one point in my life, so it exactly. kind of just ties it all together. It does, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Obviously, you've got your speciality, but they all tie into each other one way or another. And they, yeah. They should, hopefully. You know? Yeah. 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 So I suppose like the biggest takeaway for listeners listening about this is um, the importance of training really comes down to how well you can contract that muscle in a way. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, you find that that's something you educate your clients on when they come to you? Oh, absolutely, man. And obviously, it's part of it is technique, and uh, part of it is obviously how well you move. You know, your mobility. You know, let's like you can just tell someone forever and ever to like, you know, get their shoulders back and down, lift their chest up, but you know, if they aren't able to actually get in that position because yep. they're they're tight or their body's just not you know that functional, then that's you know that's something that you need to work on. You know, so you can smash all those cues as much as you want, but you know, proper programming to get you into the right function is is important. Yeah, and how often would you change? Like again, I know this would depend on the client completely, but how often would you uh, adjust or change exercises or programs for clients? Um, like I said, very dependent. Um, obviously, someone who's fairly new could probably stay in a program for a lot longer than someone who's a bit more advanced. Yes, of course. Um, yeah, but even when I change programs, I still like to keep a couple key exercises in there so at least you've got one some an exercise that you can review performance on and also just keep progressing right like I think people try to reinvent the wheel too much and they do like one program and then the next program is like a full 360 and it's like you know it doesn't make any doing sense doing today last week doing squats yeah so. <laughs> like how do you how do you how do you improve if every time you change a program it's completely different yep. you know and, and half of that is especially for newer clients is just trying to get your head around the program um, learn the exercises yeah you know like you I suppose you remember back to when you first started training like oh, bro, man, it probably took me like I first started lifting weights when I was 11 yeah so my dad for um, he was like an old school 80s Jim Bro, bodybuilder type guy. Yeah, cool. Um, like way back in the day. And he brought me my first set of weights when I was 11. Um, and it wasn't probably till that like, trained, you know, in the weights room at high school, things like that. And yeah. messed around with the, with your mates in the gym. But it wasn't till about four and a half years ago when I actually learned how to lift. And yeah, that's, oh, that's man. 12 years of lifting yeah, prior I'm, to that. Honestly, yeah. I, I'm still learning how to lift. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm constantly learning more and more things that, um, helped me become better and you know reevaluate the way I thought you know previously you know you kind of get to a point where you're like you think you know how to train and then yeah. you keep educating yourself and like no nah, I was probably doing that wrong or this is this is better now you know stuff like that right do you find that changes with the more you grow like as in physically like the more your body uh, adapts to certain training styles the more you got almost like uh, give it a new stimulus stimulus absolutely I think so I think um, so for most beginners like you should be um, very focused on you know that progressive overload I guess like just build a foundation of strength um, whereas once you, you start becoming a little bit more advanced then you start probably needing to add more like metabolic work and stuff like that uh, whereas I think a lot of beginners will go straight to the metabolic work like oh let's throw in some giant sets and some drop sets and supersets and like man how about you just learn how to train first how about you just yeah. build some strength first you know yeah. lift some proper weight mate how much harder are giant sets when you get stronger exactly <laughs> like when you can actually shift some weight and, and you're doing that flight, yeah. you know, 6 to 10 exercises in a row and Jesus honestly Christ. like 90, 95% of people that I see do giant sets Train like shit. Like yeah. I'm, I'm watching them do these jobs. I'm like, you're not even working the muscle you think you're working. <laughs> you're just moving weight. Just using your traps and stuff. Like. <laughs> exactly. That's <laughs> yeah. silly, man. Like, like even I, I don't think I, I'm, I'm even conditioned to do, like, depending on how big the giant set is, to do that. And mm. you know, I've trained with Milos Sarsev, who's very big on his giant sets. Yeah, like ten exercises in a row, sort of yeah. giant sets. It's, that's a lot. <laughs> it is, man. And honestly, yeah. like, I, I can't do it. Like, I, I hated it. Um, he, he ruined me. But the thing yeah. is, like, 
probably by the third or fourth exercise, I'm not recruiting my muscle anymore. I'm just throwing weights around. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know? And yeah. to think like, and obviously I'm a pro, so to think like the average gym goal is trying to do giant sets, man. Like, like five sets. I, most people sets. can barely do one exercise with good technique, let mm-hmm. alone six in a row. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? And that, that really, like, and that's something I coach in a way is strength endurance, is being able to hold a weight with good, well, one form. Yeah. Well, again, different types of training. I suppose like what's considered good form isn't always what's necessary to get a good contraction as you yeah. learn later down the track. But yeah. um, that's something I teach to beginners, I suppose, is being able to uh, control with good form and good contraction at the same time. Yeah. And then to more advanced uh, people or clients, I suppose, is being able to put them in positions that you wouldn't put a beginner in to get a better contraction. Yeah. Um, who found you using methods like that? Like, uh, is it, I'm trying to think who does the, like the, the row where people do the one arm row, it's like, or the seated row where you got to curl in to try to get a better contraction, things okay, like that. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, bodybuilding body is obviously very different to strength training, right? Like yes. Strength training, you're trying to get the most advantageous position to lift the weight where bodybuilding is almost the opposite, where you're yep. trying to put a disadvantage on your levers to try to contract muscles particularly you know to isolate that one muscle yeah or that one sorry group of muscles exactly right like yeah yeah, like like your example trying to hit your lats rather than just your whole back in general yeah you know it's it's a different game than just you know trying to row a heavy weight yes yeah Yeah. no very cool man um what about like you spoke about mobility and like how important that is um does that tie into with uh your posing as well and how you coach posing like how important mobility is to get into those positions to be able to make yourself look the best oh absolutely man and it's it's funny because when you watch someone pose and you can see the lack of mobility you can see why they have shit muscle groups, right? You know, like, okay, there you go. Yeah. like wow. if someone's hitting a front double and they've got, you know, poor thoracic extension, poor external rotation, you like, no wonder your lats are shit, right? Can't like, contract them. Exactly, yeah. you know? Um, so I think it, that's a great tool for physique coaches to have a look at how a client poses, um, identify why they can't get into that pose properly, and that's probably going to identify why that muscle group is shit, or why certain muscle groups are shit, right? Yeah, makes sense. Do you uh, do you ever refer clients on to like doing yoga or any type of like, like what's your what's your go-to to help them get that better mobility, like homework-wise? Um, I do refer clients on to doing yoga, but not for the mobility. Um, mindset more so? More for the mindset, yeah. you know. I think it's actually, it's quite challenging if you've got some mass behind you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I think um, trying to work on your parasympathetic nervous system is really important especially if you're um, training hard and maybe if you're someone who's usually very stressed, you know, you don't want to be bombarding your sympathetic nervous system, so your flight or flight response. Um, it's good to be able to calm yourself down and bring yourself back in the zone, you know. I'm, I'm very big on, like, meditation, trying to be present in the moment, um, not only for stress purposes and happiness purposes, if you want to go with that, but even for training, right, that, that's going to help you. If you're, if you're able to be more present in your training. You'll get a better, I don't know if you use the word muscle-mind connection, but you'll get a better connection to your muscles yeah, you know? if you're present and thinking about what you're doing instead of thinking about, you know, whether you've got bills to pay or if you're moving house yeah. or if your partner's, or if you, you know, your ex-partner or your partner's <laughs> like doing your head in or something. Yeah, 100%, so, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like the, yeah. That, again, is probably just a whole topic on itself is being present. 
Yeah. Like, you know, how present can you be in the moment to, one, keep in mind you've got a goal you're working towards, but yeah. what can you do right that very second to make sure you get that goal? Exactly. Um, and that's where a lot of people lose it, I suppose. Like, would you see that in I completely experience? agree, man. Like, people, obviously, it's good to have, like, that end goal, but I think people kind of focus on that too much and, you know, you kind of just got to focus on the now. Like, um, one of my previous coaches actually said to me is, like, the key for bodybuilding is a string in one perfect day to the next perfect day. And, um, you know, that sticks with you, man. Like, just focus on what you can do today and then get that done. And then focus on what you can do the next day instead of, like, oh, man, I want, I want to turn pro next year or whatever whatever your goal is. And people just try to rush to get there or whatever it is, you know. Um, yeah, I think it's huge. Yeah, yeah, 100%. That's, that's something uh, I've set for myself as my next goal because I've competed in um, powerlifting, strongman, um, did CrossFit a few years ago. So the last frontier for me is hit a step on the bodybuilding stage. Awesome. And um, people see me mixing up my training. They're like, oh, well, you know, when are you going to compete? I'm like, when I'm big enough and lean enough. Yeah. Like, there's, no, there's, no, there's no target there. It's just every day is just try to add a little bit more on and try to push yeah. a little bit more. And, you know, one of the big, actually one of the big learning curves for me going from a very strength-based training to more uh, or a longer period of hypertrophy type training is actually the recovery. Like, you know, for strength training, I found you can feel when your central nervous system is fried after a heavy session the, the next day. Yeah. Where more so, um, I found with the um, hypertrophy soul training is it's a, it's almost a slower, I spoke about this on another po- podcast, but the slower deterioration of your recovery yeah. over a longer period and you got to know when to have a full recovery. So what's your, let's, let's chat about that recovery. So what, how, how important is that for you, the days off that you don't train and what's your, what's your, I suppose, walk us through a day that you do when you don't train. Um, I think it's really important and I'll probably touch on something a little different is, um, I think it's probably more prevalent in strength circles having deloads, right? Yeah. But a lot of bodybuilders don't do that, you know? Like bodybuilders like every single day, you know, just train as hard as you can, you know, like, there's got to be a limit at some point. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, all, all, all those memes of like, what's rest day? Like, how do you trade rest? Like, <laughs> shit like that. It's stupid, man. Like, yeah. honestly, like, I think if, if you don't feel the need to have a rest day or a deload, you're probably not training hard enough to begin with. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Um, so I think that's really important for people to, you know, think about when they're programming is, is, is deloads and programming properly so that you're working up to a high capacity and not just doing trying to do that every single day because i know if i'm training balls to the wall all the time I'm like how many days can you get through before you need to recover exactly i know personally for me i can't train more than three days in a row row and then other gym bros won't tell me they train every single day i'm like not pushing hard enough. i'm like man <laughs> how do you train because i get to if i get trained the fourth day i'm breaking like yeah i'll come in and do a shit session and i, I know it Mate, that's it's actually quite interesting you say three days because that's what I've found um, through learning by um, just being more in tune with my body. Yeah. Is um, previously, if I was uh, prepping for like a powerlifting comp, I would have to go two days, uh, one to two days rest, and two days, or even one day, then one to two days rest to recover just enough. Yeah. And now, with bodybuilding, uh, bodybuilding or hypertrophy type training, it's like three days is until I need rest. And it's like, yeah. I try to push anything more and the sessions are just like, you know, like five out of 10. I'm just like, yeah. I can't, the weight I was doing at the beginning of the week, it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's yeah. like, it's not heavy, but your muscles, everything's just like so fatigued. So exactly. um, being ad- adequate amount of rest is just so important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. What's your, what's your day like? If you have a, like, 
Um, I spoke to another um, bodybuilder, James, and like um, he was talking about um, BK's method um, about taking the foot off the gas um, yeah. with training and um, similar to what you said about the parasympathetic sorry, nervous system, yeah. being able to let that recover. So what's, your, what's some of your methods um, for that, bringing that down? Um, so I, I like, I actually do yoga, um, like we touched on before, and it's funny. Yeah. I tell people that and they don't believe me, but I'm not saying I'm good at it, but I do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I like to meditate and journal as well. And, um, you know, just simple things. I, I don't, I don't think I do anything more particular on a um, rest day. I, I might do a little bit more activity, like go for a walk and stuff like that. I think it's just the little things you do each day that, that count, right? You know, try to meditate, journal, you know, just breathe, like walk and breathe. Like how many people actually do that? Like, yeah, how many focus f- on your breathing. Exactly. Instead of being on your phone the whole time while you're walking. Yeah, yeah. You know, like deep nasal breathing rather than like very you know, shallow breaths through your chest, right? Like, a lot of people just kind of breathe up and down mm. rather than, you know, right into your stomach, right? Um, just little things like that on a day-to-day basis, I think, is huge. And then, obviously, on top of that, you know, you're stretching, you your massage, stuff like that. Very cool, man. Um, actually, my last rest day, I think it was on Sunday, and I went for a walk and listened to Joe Rogan. Do you ever listen to Joe Rogan? Yeah, podcast? I love Joe Rogan. Yeah, have you listened to his latest one about that guy, that journalist that wrote that book called Breathe? No, I didn't miss that one. That's really cool, man. That's, yeah. That goes right into um, nasal breathing. Yeah. And um, he, this guy goes in, he's a journalist, and he goes in to find out how um, the studies were done, like the Will, uh, Will Hoff method yeah. of breathing, yeah, um, yeah. And the ice water and the records he holds, and yeah. how there's this other guy grew up in Tibet and you know lived in a cave for 35 years and they connected him up to a series of machines and ran some tests and you know just through breathing in his own mindset he changed the temperature in different parts of his hands like one wow. side would be hot and one side would be cold wow. and he could switch it over and like you know it wasn't saying anyone else had been able to replicate to that level but it showed the level that could be reached by just internalizing yourself and focusing on breath which is um, you know to be able to do that to that level, the recovery benefits is just uh, amazing. Yeah, exactly. And like I said, it goes back to, you know, switching between the parasympathetic nervous system and um, just if you're stressed out all the time, you're not able to bring yourself back down. It's, it's huge. It, it affects your fuel shop traits as well. You know, yep. like if you're just stressed out all the time, you're just going to be burning through your carbs instead of trying to burn through fat at rest, right? Mm. So just trying to bring yourself That's a good back point, actually. Yeah, about the carbs. Yeah, burning through carbs. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, like um, something I've incorporated um, is going back to doing cool downs. You know, like you learn that stuff in set three and a four. Yeah. How many people actually do a cool down, you know? Like, like back off sets, you mean? Or actually like cool down and Actually, stretch cool down. So either cool down like a, a stretch or a light walk, uh, meditate even. You know, you, like you come out, you do a hard workout, you're, you're fully amped, you know? Like obviously you, you're, um, you've you used your um, sympathetic nervous system, your, your, your fight or flight response, right? So you're, you're jacked. But to be able to bring that down as much as you can, um, is important, right? To bring all those levels back down so you're not continually stressed throughout the day, you know? Like, and it obviously affects your digestion. Like, what's the one thing most bros do is like, straight off the gym, just try to eat, you know? Some guys can do that, but I know for me, if I, got, if I don't calm down after a workout, my digestion is screwed. Like, trying to eat yeah. after I, I work out, I've got no appetite, you know? Because when your, your, your sympathetic nervous system is high, 
you, you won't have an appetite because like your brain thinks you're like fighting a tiger, right? Like it's not going to digest food. It's exactly, bloods yeah. and the muscles. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. So to be able to bring that back down, calm yourself down, bring back that digestion, bring back the substrates. Homeostasis. Yeah, yeah, it's back to normal. That's yeah. very cool. Yeah, like yeah, call me lazy, but I usually just lay on the ground for about five minutes and try not to die. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, after that, a big session, that calms you down. Yeah. Why not? Just lay there and try not to move. Yeah. Like everything hurts. <laughs> if someone walks by, you just I meditate. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, um, have you actually let's chat about you want to chat about meditation? Is that all right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, have you had any like cool or um, like spiritual type experiences meditating? Um. Spiritual experiences? No, I don't think so. I, mean, I think, um, I think just being able to recognize where your mind is at is huge, right? Like, oh mate, that's a challenge. It There's is so many. Just to know? calm down, because uh, I suppose you would have had this when you first start meditating. Meditating, something I try to do every morning. Yeah. Um, for a bit. Sometimes you don't always have five or ten minutes, but you try and make that time to do it. Yeah. And to try stop your thoughts is such a okay. challenge right like, so, so every time I, I preach meditation to people they, they always tell me this they're like I can't do it like every time I, I try to you know meditate I just think too much and like in my opinion and what I know about meditation is that's not that's not wrong that's not failing at meditation like meditation to me is the identifying your thoughts right like okay. being able to be in the present and then recognizing that your mind is wandering so like if you start thinking about other shit that doesn't mean you failed at meditation you know what i mean it, it just means that you've been able to recognize that your mind's wandering and then training your mind to come back to the present like that's the whole purpose of meditation in my eyes is to be able to bring yourself back into the present because in, in day to day yeah. life you're going to have thoughts running through your mind all the time yeah and it's your ability to be like all right i'm letting my thoughts get away from me let's calm down let's take some deep breaths and let's bring them back to the present and like it, it doesn't mean that you failed just because you're thinking about the stuff you know it's just being able to recognize that and bring yourself back that's what you're trying to train essentially that's cool man like I've heard some uh, someone when I did a meditating class like years ago um, one of the instructors explained it like the tide like the water going in no, sorry like the like the water at the beach going in yeah, and out yeah. like the waves coming in and out is Think of that like your thoughts. You're gonna get you're gonna get a big wave come in, big thought, and you're yeah. gonna drift back out and drift back on thought. You're gonna come back in, bring it back in, and um, yeah, that 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 just reminded me of what you were just saying about um, you know, like yeah, watching your thoughts, like yeah. almost. Um, actually, another way I got I read about is um, like sitting back and watching traffic go past, like you know, like looking at the cars go past is like your thoughts and yeah. being able to identify and connect with that um, and. Yeah, being able, just being able to connect with your body and your breath is so important. 100%, man. Yeah, cool, man. 100%. Yeah. How yeah, are we going on time? It's uh, 54 minutes so far, mate. Cool. Yeah, going pretty good. Thanks, <laughs> mate. Um, you want to chat about some other topics? Or? Uh, I might need to wrap this up soon, so have you any last topics? No, that's it, man. I think the last thing was mentors, which we spoke about. Is yeah. there any um, uh, any mentors you got currently that you look up to? Um, ones that you haven't mentioned? No, not particularly. Um, I... I I am going to hire a coach soon, but I'm not going to spill that beans. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool, man. All right, well, um, that'll wrap it up there. Leave it there. Thank you for coming on, Paulie B. My um, Thank you for having me. No worries, man. I'll chuck uh, Paulie's details, Instagram, at the bottom of the... 
podcast link. Please go check him out and check out what he does. And if you've got interest in bodybuilding, this is the man to go see in Perth at Doherty's. Thanks, man. Thanks for coming on, buddy. Thanks, bro. No worries.